uh, I saw I discovered this week because someone was uh, using apparently was using my my user account in one of my clients orgs uh, and they had switched it to classic and so I was like, oh, classic, okay. And I was like, well, I, was, I, need, to, I need to hurry up and get some done. So I didn't even worry about switching back to Lightning. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I loved it. It is, even though every time you click something in classic, it reloads the entire page, right? It's still faster, a lot faster than Lightning is. Explain this to me, John. It has to reload the entire page every time you click something in classic. And it, it's, it doesn't have it's to parse a hell of the, faster uh, than have Lightning. To parse the cookie state. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I just left it in classic. Oh, this is great. I mean, it, you miss classic? Is that what you're saying for the for the speed just, and performance? Was, I don't miss classic. It was just the speed. And honestly, between Salesforce native Lightning stuff and all these um, ISV apps, which is either the ones I work I've worked on or the ones that I'm using or the ones I've seen demo to me, mm-hmm. I am so sick of everything always having that stupid lightning spinner. Every time you do anything, spinner, spinner, spinners, constantly yeah. everywhere. I mean, I have nightmares about this, these things. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> You're going to have to do titles, by the way, because I cannot type. Uh, oh, man. How about spinners everywhere? Spinners type, type. everywhere. Okay. Yeah, so I'm the, I'm the dummy who forgot to bring my mic stand, so I'm holding my mic to my face. like. <laughs> well, like I like did the dummy. first time we did this. Well, you didn't have a stand. What was your? I bought what, you a stand. Now you have a stand. What was your title? I own a stand, and I didn't. I don't even remember like something everywhere. Spinners everywhere. Spinners, spinners everywhere. How about like a dummy? This is going to be a, the lamest show ever if I have to like literally repeat titles to you three or four times. No, I just wanted to get. I wanted I to capture the ones that you said. Um, oh, apparently I got to interrupt because apparently we got to stop saying the word growler because apparently in the UK it means something vulgar. Growler. Growler. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. According to, to Morris, it says uh, growler can have a rude you know meaning. What? We'll start. You say, we'll start. We'll stop saying growler when they stop saying fag. Yeah, that's true. How about that? Yeah. Is that a deal, Brits? That's a deal. Okay. Right. You're not a Brit. You can't make that deal. <laughs> I'm asking the Brits. <clears throat> I'm the ambassador. <laughs> I don't think they've appointed you yet, John. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, can they? <laughs> I don't know. I think we need to with ask. a free trip. We, let's we I gotta check make, in with Matt Morris on I, that. I got to make it over there. I, I really got to make it over there. It's, what, it's, to England? Yeah. I'm like, it's just it's, it's expensive. It's, I've got many cheaper places on my list I'm going to hit before England. I mean, I'd love to go. It's just, that's that's my that's my homeland. Yeah. Um, but That's your homeland? Just, yeah. That's where my family's from. Really? That's, where, that's the origin of Ross? We're, no, no. That Ross is German, actually. But I'm more of the other thing than I am of the Ross. Oh. And that's kind of disown your actually, German heritage. Technically, huh? and I'm going to piss off the English, the, the English and the Scots. I'll say this, but I'm actually, I'm actually, I think I'm Scottish. It's McGregor, which is apparently is like a, I think a Scottish. I don't know. My mom did all this research. <laughs> oh, the stuff people, the stuff no one cares about. Here <laughs> exactly. <we go. laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I just wanted to. So lightning slow. Yeah, I mean, I'm lightning not, slow. That, you know, that's, that's the gist of that conversation. Here's the thing: I'm not sure lightning is slow. Um, is it the perception that it's slow because I hate the spinner? I'm sick and tired of the spinner. Or is it really slow? I mean, is it custom stuff or is it native stuff? Because what I'm saying is, I didn't actually set up any performance analysis things. It just my perception. I mean, classic was just like 
it was just bam, 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 bam. I mean, because I was in there, I had to get in, like, I had to go get into, even even though, like, to modify custom optics is a separate place than standard optics in Classic, mm-hmm. even though I still, you still had to deal with that, I was, because I was, that's what I was doing. I was in there adding fields and things. Okay. I was still way faster in Classic. I actually prefer the new object manager. I'm, I'm faster with it. I do. It's it. just slower. It's just slower. No, it's slower is what I'm telling you. It is slower when you navigate around. And it doesn't always have a way to get back to where you originally were. In some instances, yeah. in some instances, you're in a page and you have no way to get back except to jump back into lightning. Yeah, Which, and, and or to like the full jump back into the whole page, I guess, or setup. Yeah, they're basically re, rebase on setup. Yeah. Oh, John. John's getting, John's getting <laughs> his get on. That's only because I'm a noob. Well, getting your get on. I'm technically a noob. Like I'm, I've, I've used it in spots, but I've never. It's never been like a main function of me. Because in consulting, who uses Git? Everyone. No, I do. I, I version you control. You do because you're I awesome. I version control. I work. I historically I either. You I, blow me away, my John. projects didn't didn't. Okay, let's get into this. Most of the projects out there, there are little triggers are we here and there here, for John? yes. <laughs> For pro- where you're in and out, you're in and out. It's not like you're building something, you're developing, I you're don't advancing care. it. I don't care. I had because no. I want to know. I want a baseline for when I. So if I if I if I'm somebody says, hey, can you get in this company's org and just do this thing for me? The first thing I do is pull down their metadata and and do git init, git I add, git commit, initial commit. I didn't go That's hardcore like you. I did have a local git. I had a local git for all my code changes. Because I want to be able to, I want to know where I started and then everything that I changed after. And that's fun. Because sometimes that becomes in handy. <laughs> that's that's why we do this whole version control thing. Well, I did local gets, but I mean it's kind of hard when you're one person doing a did local you, get. Did you do local gets? Yes, I did. Okay, because I didn't think you did. But I didn't have to rebase. It was one. Oh, that's one. Right. <laughs> it's a very, you look. You look at if you, you open up GetX or, or whatever one of these yeah. visualizers, and it's just a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> why do you think no, I got, no why, branches? I got good at, at Git Command Dash A. I mean, I mean Commit Dash A. It's there's nobody you know else using so, it. That is a good point. Which is you can get okay at Git by yourself. Get okay with Git, but you can't get advanced when you're not dealing if with other not, people, right. branches, if, and if you're either not working on a team or you're not doing any branching just because you don't need to, yeah. There's just a whole area of Git that you haven't learned, yeah. And there's also just um, what do you want to call it, ceremony or, or practice or just best practices, whatever you want to call it. Uh, like, I, you know me, I love best practices. I'm just saying, I, I didn't always have to check the status of something. I was only working on it. I just freaking commit or I'd force push or whatever. I mean, I would You just do dash F on every commit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every command. <laughs> just dash F. <laughs> you should create a, an, an alias. You know, you can do get aliases. That's just, I don't know. Did you know? Uh, new shirt idea. My code dash F. Exactly. I was, I was thinking just like dash John and it automatically does Git like. commit <laughs> uh, my code dash F. Yeah. There you go. That's the shirt. All right, shirt force. Get on that. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I, I basically have to have the docs open because I'm just trying to make sure I'm not screwing this up. Even though it's still just me, and this is a new venture, I still want to treat it as if it's not just me, and with a little more diligence this time because I am thinking about the future, so to speak. Yeah. Was that is that all you wanted to say about Kid? Well, you made fun of me now? for saying making the rebase reference, and so I, I was really self conscious about it right now. Did I make fun of you for making a rebase reference? I'm, yeah. Wow, that was uh, two minutes ago. Yeah, I'm only I'm only a beer and a half in. But there's no way that I forgot that already. I'm a sensitive guy. What can I say? Okay, I'll be crying about this later tonight. All I said was rebase, and <laughs> all right. So the next thing I wanted to and I didn't really talk about this, but 
I'm, I'm getting burned again by some of these Salesforce APIs. And, you know, I thought that REST was the hotness, John, and mm -hmm. SOAP is the lamest thing ever, right? That's where we are right now, right? Yeah. Are you, are you writing titles or are you titles? You, you're chatting with people. Titles. You better be doing titles. It's the only excuse for you touching your keyboard is titles. But I like to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And you can touch it for that. <laughs> i got to add that to the title. I think so. Uh, it's not going to make it because we try, no. to, we try not to have lewd titles. Try not to. Lewd titles? That could be a, that could be a meta title right there. Hmm? All right. Um, so, you know, you think rest is the hotness and and so well, many... What else is there? Soap, well, rest? There's, oh, come on. There's, there's soap, there's, which is tried and true. You know, I've done a whole... It's you just, and I, I mean, we've... It's just too wordy. Much, well, it's wordy it's, and it's gotten so bastardized. Plus, I don't like all the tooling stuff that you have to have around it. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, it's not soap that's broken. It's whistles that are broken. It's whistles that are broken. It's not soap. It's whistles. It's just that the spec sucks. Even though, you know, Wizzle and the whole WS Death Star, right, was supposed yeah. to plug into all this tooling, whether it's your programmer's IDEs or whether it's all this big-ass ESB bull crap right. that all these vendors have been pushing forever. Oh, just import your Wizzle and everything's good. You can drag and drop. You can drag and drop your integrations, right? Yeah. We've all seen those demos, right? I mean, I've seen those forever, and they all suck, and you can't actually do real things with them. No, they look great when you demo it, and then you get into the real no, world. No, but then you, you're like, oh, cool, I'm going to do this, and, you, and you, get, you download your Wizzle, or someone sends you a Wizzle from their system, and you do the import, and they're like, oh, failed on 8,000 lines of XML here. They're like, oh, crap, where do I even start? I'm like, you find a reference it's like, system. Oh, this binding, this operation, this it doesn't, you know, it's like, and it's just, it's a mess, it's a total mess, which is why everyone hates soap and waddle and whistle and all the whole WS stack is garbage. So do you think uh, REST is going that same way with Swagger and YAML and no, whatever else? not at all. I mean, REST is. I think. I mean, REST had the benefit of. And we say REST. I mean, this is. I, I, uh, let me just say for people who actually know the history, I know that I'm using this incorrectly and in that. Really, what we're talking about is modern usage of simple, simple non-soap um, serializations over HTTP is what I'm talking about. When I say REST, that's what I mean. I realize that Roy Fieldberg and his dissertation, and I get all that, and I know that that was a whole other thing. I'm not talking about that. So when I say REST, that's what that's what we're talking about. Though. Sure. Um, but uh, REST, again, in, in my bastardized reference to it, you've got to learn from all these failures that. That's where that's where it came out of. This usage of like JSON in even XML, just over plain HTTP, mm -hmm. was a backlash against all this garbage. Yeah. And the other thing, big thing was if you did JSON over HTTP, then browsers natively can easily handle that because every browser can deserialize and serialize JSON. Well, so I think the flaw with XML is it was trying to be the best of both worlds. It was trying to be machine-readable and human-readable, whereas JSON didn't come from that world. Sure. It came from the world I've, of easily, easily parsing yeah, right. I get that. and being able to, to execute on that data, but my, my meaning point is, people weren't meant to look at it. Right. But it was easy enough that you could if you wanted I know. to. Right. XML is... I don't want to say XML is garbage. It's XML is... I, I, have, I have issues with XML, too. And, and uh, what was the Microsoft? Don Box? Ugh. If I could find that guy in a dark alley, I would <laughs> probably turn around and walk away because I'm a big weenie, but whatever. Yeah, you might. <laughs> yeah. So would I. But he'd probably, he's probably like a bodybuilder. I don't even know, I don't even know what the <laughs> guy looks like. I just know his name and all the things that he has foisted upon my professional career, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, where was I, John? You got you to pop me out of my stacks here. Uh, XML and the horror of it. You were uh, talking no, about the, the protocols no, the, the rest, and REST APIs. Here we are. Here we are. And rest, rest is the hotness. And, of course, Salesforce started adding REST APIs probably, I don't know, five, ten years ago. A long time ago. And there's there's actually some really, I mean, this is all tree API. Very interesting. If you have that use case, it's actually really useful and super efficient. Um, there's, uh, what are there? There's, there's all these little composite things that do different things that are yeah. interesting. Um, I mean, the whole streaming API is based on it. Well, kind of, kind of. So my use like, cases are typically integration because, sadly enough, that's my life these days. I feel like I can't, I'm back in integration mode all the time now. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, you know, and, and upsert is a beautiful thing with integrations. Right? Yes. Because it, it dramatically increases the performance because you don't have to query to get IDs uh, or like foreign key. To, you know, you got foreign keys. You're going to see, you know, see if those exist already. If they do, then you're doing updates right. versus inserts. Now you got to make two calls. But you got to query. Then you got to do an insert. Then you got to do an update. Right. So upsert was beautiful right. for that. Works great with SOAP and with Salesforce SOAP API. Uh, works pretty great with bulk API. The bulk API is this whole other thing. You know, you got to build CSV files, and you know your tooling has to be set up for that. It's um, yeah. so anyway. So. It also doesn't fail gracefully. Well, you, you kind of don't know where in the batch it failed, yeah, exactly. and some of it did succeed, and some of it didn't. And you're kind of just kind of left there, going, "Well, I don't know what to do with this." Right, and and, it, and again, with the way they designed the bulk API, it makes sense. It's for massive asynchronous data loads, and and with an integration use case. You don't really want a, a lot of asynchronous, asynchronicity. What's the word? As Asynchronous is fine. Okay. No, I wanted the noun of that. The asynchronicity. A asynchronously. I feel like I added about two extra syllables of that. But that's the beer talking. You haven't had that much beer. I know. I just like to say that. <laughs> it's my excuse. It's the uh, sub sabritones. <laughs> yeah, sabritones. Sabritones. I, it's hard for me to say that with with uh, a Spanish and not an Italian accent. I want to say sabritones. I'm good at sounding like I know how to speak Spanish, accent. but I can't speak Spanish. I'm good at sounding like yeah, it though. Right. I, <laughs> I can roll those R's. You can get that accent going. I, I can get the accent yeah. going. Yeah. You know. Even though you don't. What do you need? You probably know like hola and gracias. Hola, gracias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or as I like to say, gracias. Oh, there you go. Okay, so back to REST APIs. So I've got, I've been building a, it's quite, it's quite large integration. There's like probably 25 or 30 integrations that are part of this thing. It's all message oriented. It's getting messages coming off this queue and high volume, or fairly high volume. Not super high, and this is not like a, you know, like a Kafka use case. It's not, it's not super, it's, it's not big data, it's, but, right. but very regularly. I mean, many, many messages per minute, I guess, you know. Uh, and so I'm using the REST API to um, collect these messages, route them to the right place, the right transform, transforms and all this. And actually, when I, so when, I, when I pull messages down from this message queue, I can specify how many, how big of a batch I'm willing to accept at a time. Mm -hmm. Anywhere from, I think, one, one up to like 100 or 1,000. I think I do 25. Actually, I do do 25. I say, give me the next 25 messages. And the reason I say 25 is because Salesforce has this batch or composite batch API, which actually lets you send 25 requests inside it, and, and you can do upserts. Because obviously okay. I'm doing integration. I don't need to do, these are all up, I mean, all of my integrations, it's, it's all upsert. And it turns out with the REST API, for whatever reason, the only way you can actually do upserts and anything other than one at a time, you know, one, eight, one, HTTP request, 
one record, right? Mm. If you want to do more than that, it's you have to use this composite batch. And you can do 25 of anything, pretty much. You want to do 25 queries, you want to do 25 inserts, 25 creates, or you can mix and match. And you can do a whole graph of data, so account, contact, no, opportunity. That's tree. That's tree. Okay. And, it, and it builds the it builds the connections for you. Right. That's tree, which is awesome if you have that use case. But I'm not building a tree. I'm sending in all these rec- all these records. I'm sending in. They're they're pretty much independent. I, okay. I've already looked up. I've already done the lookups and and it's got the, the foreign keys and all that stuff. Um, but they're mixed, so I might have like. I might I might batch up like twenty five you know accounts and contacts and addresses and you know tasks and notes and whatever. I was about to ask. So then, what's the benefit? And then as soon as, it, me, as yeah. soon as it accumulates up to twenty five, then I send the message up to Salesforce because it, the, that composite batch can take up to up to twenty five records inside it. Right. Is there an order and of again, operations issue there, or you have to? Th- no, there is, and there the, is, it, and it processes them in order, which is great because you know if you have a contact and an account, mm-hmm. the contact is belongs to the account. Then you got to send the contact first. I mean, right. in that request, the account needs to come first, and then the contact. And so I'm doing all that. You know, I'm, it's, it works great. But I discovered that even though I'm sending, making this one API call and sending these 25 records, mm-hmm. that each 25 of those records, each one of them individually counts. Salesforce counts that as an API call, and for for limit reasons, an API request. Oh, is it running a transaction for each one of those? Is it, that why? it does. It runs them on a separate oh. transaction. Which I don't need. I don't want. I, it, it, it but it run. makes sense because otherwise, how do you handle that? You, you have an account creation, which is going to run whatever automation is attached to it, process builder flow, trend, internal stuff, and then it's got to run the contact. Each each one of those is its own transaction. It doesn't have to be a set. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be a separate. Trans- imagine imagine if you have a, imagine you create an Apex class you, and you you uh, you expose it via Apex REST. Okay. Okay. And you pass in a big old blob of JSON things. Yeah. And then in Apex, you deserialize those, and you could do your insert account, insert contact, insert all those things. That's in the same transaction. Those are all in the same transaction. Yeah, but for performance reasons, to avoid from from blowing up, essentially, too many SQL queries or anything else, because now you're saying, if you're at the limit for contacts, and you, you're like at 99 queries on that contact, barely passing. So you're, you're prematurely optimizing. You're saying, hey, you might have limits, so we're going to split those up into all the yeah. separate transactions. Yeah. But I mean, the tree would have the same thing. It's the, I mean, so anyway, regardless, for whatever reason, I've discovered that this integration that I've built that needs to send in hundreds of thousands of records a day, and in fact, when we first launch it, it's going to be, could be close to millions of them because it's going to have to like do the initial sync and this, this org has 90-something thousand requests as, as their limit per day. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's not going to work at all. So you think it's, it's going to scale up to, to millions? And my tooling doesn't... Here's the thing. My tool, so, I'm, so I'm using the REST API for all this. The tooling I'm using doesn't, really, doesn't have support for the SOAP API. So, and even if I did have the SOAP API, the problem is... Part of the problem is it technically does. You just have to do it all by hand. So problem, part of the problem is is once this in, once this initial sync is done, right? The ongoing integration, it's every single message that comes across is going to be of a different a different data type. Mm-hmm. And with the SOAP API, each every call, any call you make, insert, update, upsert, whatever. They, every if you pass in a list of items, they all have to be of the same type. You can't pass in a list of accounts right. and contacts. Right. So for the ongoing integration, the SOAP API really wouldn't help me. I mean, the, just the, the one-off REST API where you just make sending one record at a time would be fine. It's, it's really this initial, the initial sync it's going to have to do. I'm literally going to have to redo all 30 of these integrations 
to support, and I'm gonna have to, you know, have a have a settings, uh, have a setting to say, do you want to run this in batch or do you want to run it in REST API? Or sorry, bulk, bulk or REST? Right. What do you want to do? And when we're doing this initial sync, I'm gonna have it in bulk. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to, <laughs> I have to now add bulk support to like all 30 of these integrations. Yeah. But in the, Which is the a completely is because, different track, right? Because it's a totally different track. Because the data yeah, separately. Because part of the transforms that's happening in this integration is, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting actually data. The source of the data is JSON. I'm converting that into basically um, Java DTOs that then get serialized into JSON to send over to the REST API. Well, so now what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to take those Java DTOs and write a trans write a transform to convert that into basically a, a map. Just a, a, a string object map that can then be passed to something that then serializes or marshals it to CSV format. And so it's just, and, and there's no, yeah. unfortunately there's no, especially because a lot of these things have um, like references to, uh, to other objects, like, you know, like if, let's say you're upstarting an account, uh, sorry, a contact, and you're referencing that contact's account by that account, one of that account's external IDs. Mm -hmm. So now I've got, you know, the, D, the DTO looks is basically, it's a contact, but for its account reference, it's an account reference object which has any number of external ID fields. So there's no there's no like default or straightforward way to transform that into CSV. You've got to write custom a custom kind of mapper type of thing to take it from the a Java DTO to just to a to a map, right? A simple stringed object map, which which then could be easily marshaled to CSV. But it's like, and I didn't. I didn't even think. I didn't even. Know, I had no idea that this API counted. Because I thought I'm sending 25 records in one batch. And every other API I work with, that's that's called one API request. My whole life, it was the first time ever. And sure enough, it's a little, it's a little asterisk at the bottom of the documentation. It's like, oh, by the way, and I and I didn't see that. Yeah, it's documented. <clears throat> yeah, and just you know, that's happened before too. Yeah, it's documented. I got, so, I got caught by the fine print. Yeah. So since I can't, I can't do soaps. I'm just gonna do. I, but I can do bulk API. So I'm just gonna do bulk. But I, yeah. you know, it's gonna take a lot of work to, and and I'm gonna have to retest all these, and get integrations against the bulk API. Well, I mean, what I'm gonna have to test is my mappings. That's what I'll. Have I to mean, test. is there any is there any reason not to just make a bulk API job and always do it that way? Yeah, because once this. Because of the initial, like this initial massive sync we have to do between the other system and Salesforce, mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna set it up so that it sends like all of the accounts first, and then all of the contacts, right? So I can easily just say, okay, only send me accounts for now, and then I can so I can I can just basically assume that everything coming across the wire is an account, and I can batch that up into like you know ten thousand records at a time or whatever, and suit it off to the bulk API. Once that initial, essentially, data migration is done, mm -hmm. the ongoing integration is going to be like a, a, an account will come across the wire, then a task, then a contact, then a. It's just like it's unpredictable. You don't know. I mean, it's in the order that they're being created in this other system. Right. And so, you have to. You basically have to assume that each record that comes, the record that comes right after it, may depend on that one. So you can't. You can't wait till you have a batch of a hundred or a thousand or whatever to send to the bulk API. Right. That makes sense. That was Sounds probably like that was probably the most boring tech conversation known to man. How is it not? Should we move on? It's lessons learned. What have you, have you ever worked with big objects? Um, no, but I saw Matt Morris give an awesome talk on big objects. I wish I was there. It, is that the equivalent of uh, no, but I stayed in the Holiday Inn Express last night? Yes. <laughs> it, it exactly. No, but I saw Matt Morris talk on it. 
Why do you uh, ask, good sir? Because I've, I've worked with it. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird because I'm in this transition period between my former life and my new life. And in my former life, I was digging in deep into big objects, and I wish I could have had the benefit. Your, trans- your transition? This is before my transition. Okay. That's, that's when I was still one letter, and then I transitioned to another letter. Okay. <laughs> but no, I, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a cool object in that you can have a ton of data in it. Because it's, it's not stored in Oracle. And you can, right? Something right. like that? Something like that. So, something way cheaper that Larry Ellison doesn't get uh, relatives on? You know, that's the whole reason that uh, SAP... SAP explicitly developed uh, HANA. 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 Yeah. Just because they didn't want to pay, pay Oracle any more money. Oh, that, that's, that's a reductive reasoning. No. no. It is. It's, I'm, yeah. John, I promise you, it's very reductive. That's, do you think? I think it's part of it. I think that's a benefit. But HANA is so much more than a relational database. HANA is a very impressive piece of technology. Incredibly impressive. And it, When does that check come in? I'm waiting, man. I don't know. You can tell me. Do I need to keep going on it, or what, what should I keep? Well, the deadline is, what, tw- next year, 2020. <laughs> For what? For to be on HANA, to oh, be on the latest okay. version that supports I HANA. I meant my deadline to promote, promote it no, for so SAP. I, my check. I mean, you can still use the older versions, apparently, but it, it won't be supported. So you, man, there's going to be people on people. On, there's people on 30 year old versions. Of In other words, it's it's a gold rush on SAP right now because everyone's trying to get updated and onto the new database. So there. But uh, no, big objects is pretty interesting in that you you can put a ton of data into this this object, but. There's all these little gotchas. There's all these little, little things of you're used to working with this object. You used to be able to do certain things. Used to be able to query it a certain way. Used to be able to, used to be able to delete it a certain way. Um, manage indexes a certain Sharing, way. Sharing all that. I mean, all that like, kind of stuff. There's all these implications, right? It's, it's, it's high volume, but so you but you're making all these trade-offs. That you right. You're making a ton of trade-offs, yeah, sure. and so we we decided to use it because we knew we we're going to have a high volume data set, and that we needed to work with. But we kept coming across all these little gotchas, like, you know, understanding how the indexes work. Like, you, you have to set up your indexes, and you have to set them up in a very specific order. And if you're going to query or base anything off those indexes, you can't hop around and skip. You have to go in this certain order in order to, to query a certain way. And you can't delete unless you match that index. And so that, Okay, so if you, like I say, you make an index that's on three fields, you have to query by those three fields. It's, well, you can query partially, but you, you can query on the first two. And and get data back, third. but you can't you can't go one and three. Yeah. You, okay. you can go one and two, but you can't go one and three. That's just because it's so it's so highly optimized yeah. for large volumes of data. Right. So I mean, it's it's just one of those things where every time we we thought we had it covered, and we go to to test or do anything, well, you can't really test on that either. <laughs> but any, anytime we went to actually functionally implement and, and execute on this, we'd find one little gotcha or another little gotcha, um, and then also the the way. You have to deal work with the synchronous and asynchronous synchronicity of it. Did I get that right? I think so. <laughs> uh, it's it's a challenge, but it's a really nice, interesting object. But it's just one of those things that we initially thought it was the answer to all our problems, and turns out it was it was the the top layer of an onion peel that we had to peel back and try to try to figure out as we went. Uh, the documentation was there. And as we discover things, we'd find we'd find little notes in the documentation that go, "Oh, you can't do that," or "Oh, that's why we that's why we're experiencing this." But it was just one of those things that was tough to ingest. It was one of those things you had to experience firsthand to just get a good handle on. Um, so I don't know. Is there what's the what did did you get to see Matt on that? What do you mean? I, I sat through his whole talk. 
Were you moderating that one? No. Oh, okay. So what, what did he say about big objects? I'm curious. What did he say? He gave a two-hour talk on it. I can't recap that in one second. <laughs> he just told his story of the problem that he had with the, at this client and all the different, you know, rat holes that you go down trying to solve things. Mm-hmm. By the way, can I just pause for a second and say, these clients are like, because a lot of times, you know, you get a complicated problem and... There's any number of solutions that some, you could jump to conclusions, and a shitty consultant would just be like, oh, we're going to use that. Well, a good consultant's like, well, it's actually, hang on a second, because you know, you gotta, got, there's all kinds of gotchas here, there's gotchas there, you know, dragons be everywhere, right? And yeah. you have to like do some homework. These, and whether it's clients or your employer or whatever, it doesn't matter, but they're like, what, you, what, you haven't worked with Big Data before? You haven't worked with an Oracle database before? You haven't worked with this system before? But you don't know? You don't have other clients you've done this for? It's like, <laughs> listen, Every situation is different. Yeah. Your data is different. The way that, even though like there's, a, we've worked with other clients that use the same exact system. Like the way you use it is so different. We can't take their data mappings and just put them on yours. Plus, you don't own that IP. No, it's right. not IP either. We don't can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Rant over. No, that was a good you, rant because yeah. I, I I completely agree. <laughs> I know. It's like. It's, it's one of those things as an architect that you run into all the time where a client is just trying to find gotchas to get you and go, what, are you an idiot? You're not, you've never done this before? I'm like, well, god damn it, this is custom shit we're talking about. <laughs> is that a title? <laughs> yeah, no, it can't be. Unless you put up little symbols. I mean, I, it, it's, it's frustrating because there is a certain level of me that's really insecure when I talk to clients about solutions because... Sometimes you're not, always being you're always being evaluated, right, and Analyzed, right. And I'll, and the reality is, it's not that I don't know or I you don't say like, hey, bitches, I'm an MVP. No, <laughs> I know. It's it's not that I necessarily don't have an opinion or I don't necessarily know what I think I want to do. It's that I'm trying to be cautious. I'm trying you to say you don't want to bias not only yourself, but you don't right. want to bias the thought process of everyone else. Exactly. In the room. I want to gather the requirements. I want to gather the data and try to make an educated decision, not just guess and say, "Oh yeah, we're going to do this." There's, you know. I mean, it, in the enterprise kind of technology world, there's really not cookie cutter recipes. Can't say, "Oh, you want to make that dish? Here's the recipe." No, it doesn't work that way. Well, tell that to. What CIO magazine who, oh, know, who has all these ready-built solutions, these products you can buy that has I mean, there are, has the answer. There are integration platforms that literally have part of their their terminology stack is recipes, as if that exists. I mean, even on the super low, and I remember when when people first started creating like QuickBooks integrations with Salesforce, it was like you get this integration and this is how it works. Like, you know, invoices are opportunities, and this stage means you get an invoice, and other than that, you don't. And they're like, this is how it works, right? And, and 90% of people that try to use it, they're like, well, this, you know, we don't want it to work like that. I'm like, well, why are you, why are you complaining to me? <laughs> I'm not the one who assumed what your requirements were. This, yeah. And that's just a, that's a, such a simple example, but even at that scale, even that simple, you know, five person business scale, yeah. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really work. What's the challenge with anything? Even with Salesforce focusing on verticals, it's a big challenge because well, let's take yeah. let's take Field Service Lightning, which I've been I was working about with. to say productizing things is always hard, yeah. and that's what you know, yeah. So Salesforce. Field Service Lightning is one of them I've been working on with a lot lately, and you wouldn't believe how much automation we have wrapped around this stuff because it just doesn't fit you what mean people trigger are hell? doing. Yes, trigger hell. No, 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 no. I don't mean trigger hell. I would be happy with trigger hell. It's it's flow and process builder hell that I'm in because. People are like, oh, I can do that with Flow. I can do that with a process builder. I can do that with this. I can do that with that. I don't need code. I don't need a developer. I don't need an architect. 
to tell me that whether or not that's a good idea or not. Oh. I've got this. The only thing worse than Trigger Hill is Process Builder Hill. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, so it's, it's become this thing where we have this huge, expansive, flexible data model that no one understands. Client doesn't understand it. We barely understand it. And we're the implementers and certified and all that kind of crap. And we're layering all these automations because we're trying to abstract them from all the different layers of what's happening. And all they want to do is be able to click a button and schedule some people or see who's available to schedule and stick them on the board. But it's complicated. It, right. And well, everyone does things differently. They have different ways of how they create service appointments. They have different ways of what, what a work order means. I mean, we've got, we're just doing so many different things. There's some, there's some saying it's like, well, and it, it really goes back to the concept of people, if, if you can take something complex and make, provide a simple solution, of it, like that's, that's what takes skill. And behind every simple thing is a complicated or a complex, you know, engine behind the scenes that you don't have to worry about. I mean, you I, have. I, I, you I have, get the need. I get the. I get the. I get the ask, John. But it's a it's fallacy. The ask. It's always a fallacy. Um. I mean, I think good software has an opinion, and a good a good software says that's not what we're good yeah. at. And and sometimes you have to know where to put the escape hatches. Like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna we're gonna abstract you and give you a simple interface. But for for those and for the eighty twenty right mm -hmm. for everything else we're going to give you these certain we're going to give you apex <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you can inject your custom code <laughs> until code became a bad word and now it's process right. builder yeah inject your process builders what and what are process builders it's a bunch of XML right it's a bunch of code it, it's yeah but it's represented by XML under the hood it, oh that's why I hate process builders because it's XML because it because it goes back to my days when I tried to learn Java and I did Visual Java Visual what was that product called? You cannot keep. I cannot let that go. I did not like it. I don't like dragging and, drag and dropping lines between the problem objects. Is hardly anyone used that. Most people were using Emacs or VI to, to do. And, and this, to do this is me being a kid off the street course, trying also, to teach myself Java, Java and I just that kid just, off the street. Kid off the street. Oh my god! What is this like? Jersey boy story here or something? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, we were five kids on the street. You know, just trying to stay out of trouble. And one day this boy walks along. He's like, <laughs> "You don't know me. You don't know my life. <laughs> you don't know my struggles." I had the accent wrong. I was doing the Jersey accent. That was good. That I needed that. Where did you guys live? That Tennessee hybrid Mexican accent. <laughs> Are you making? Wait. <laughs> that's a. That's a, that'd be an odd combo. <laughs> I never developed a Tennessee accent. Surprisingly. I think That's I was conscious funny. of accents at that point. I didn't want an accent. Right. That would be vanilla. Like, just middle-of-the-road California-type accent. Maybe. I didn't want people knowing where I was from. I wanted to blend in. I wanted to be in the background. I hear you. That's me. That's where I'm yeah. comfortable, in the background. Don't, yeah. Don't pay attention to me. I'm just doing my thing. Leave just me alone. doing my thing. Yeah. Oh. Okay, John. Did we finish that topic? What was that topic? I don't know. Did you see a... Uh, Someone's uh, knocking the Tableau acquisition. Everyone's knocking the Tableau acquisition. Um, this one's from Forbes. We, oh, we don't have a soundboard. No, we don't have a soundboard. Not that you would be ready for it. So Forbes, uh, Forbes article says, uh, Salesforce.com's Tableau acquisition, admitting organic innovation failure? Question mark. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, yeah, this guy's not the first person to ask that question. It, um, it, and it also goes to the... You know, is it that Salesforce can't innovate internally? Is it they can't produce enough incremental new revenue internally? 
Well, we said when, when they acquired uh, MuleSoft that it was going to be probably their last big acquisition because they just did not have the cash to <laughs> do another one. out of the water with this one, right? There's no way they had the cash for that. And then here they go and buy Tableau. In, but it kind of proves our point. They didn't have the cash for it. <laughs> they had to convince them for, on stock. So I, I read this, I think it's the same article, but the guy also has pointed out how this is the, also the first major crack in Salesforce's pure, you may you know their own note, their, sorry, the no software thing. Mm-hmm. This is the first major crack in that because Tableau is, I don't want to say big on premise, but they are kind of in a way. And also like they're to the hybrid thing. So moving your, your workloads, your analytics from on-premise to cloud and back and forth in a combination, right? That's part of their play, it, which has become a, when you look at like... Um, well, MuleSoft has an on-prem offering as well, and they have to. I mean, there, there's certain industries, say government, where you have to be on-prem. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, I just think that, first of all, Tableau is, just, is a lot bigger of an acquisition than MuleSoft, so I think it just drives it home more. But... How is it? It's all virtual. It's all monopoly money. It's other people's money. I mean, I'm not saying that Salesforce didn't overpay. And and I'm not saying, I'm also not saying that what they paid with wasn't monopoly money. It kind of was. It was was stock, right? Um, But that doesn't take away from the fact that Tableau was a much bigger company than Mulesoft. Much bigger valuation, right? And also, I, I think just Tableau has just, they're much more substantially involved in on-premise than it Well, it kind of has to. I mean, you have to be close to the data. Uh, data has gravity, right? Yeah. That's what the data gravity. So you have to be where the, you have to process where the data is because yes. it's expensive to move it's it. It's expensive to move it, right, exactly. We're talking millions of data, transactional data, not IoT more. data, just any kind of data. <laughs> It's expensive to move. Thundercloud, John. Powered by uh, Azure. Not anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm behind. You're behind. Uh, I'll see. Yeah, so he says, not only does Salesforce appear to... I'm looking at the same article, I think. appear to be overpaying for this acquisition, but the company also appears to be... Oh, in response to Google's $2.6 billion uh, acquisition of Looker. uh, And also Microsoft's success in this space. So, yeah. Um, with so with all the success and close customer proximity, why didn't Salesforce see the importance of BI? But it did. I, I read that part and I was like, "But it did." Isn't it weird how Einstein analytics shh, doesn't exist? Away. Don't doesn't talk exist. about it. Wave. Shh. Yeah. I read why that line going. Why didn't Salesforce's corporate strategists invest earlier to build this capability? They did. Well, just, because I've seen Salesforce over the past decade roll out. They had whatever their original analytics. Then, and remember, remember the brouhaha around advanced analytics when they launched it? Because they charged, you had to pay incrementally yeah. for it. And now that's considered garbage, you know. Well, it's just normal but also, analytics. But also that whole thing blew up. It's, this is actually interesting. I hadn't realized this before until I just said it. They launched advanced analytics, charged extra money for it. There was a big backlash. And they ended up saying, okay, fine. You'll, everyone gets it. You don't have to pay more. They launch Wave, which is Einstein Analytics. Yep. Minimum entry price forty grand a year, and now you can get in for basically one builder license, which is like two hundred fifty bucks. Forty grand to two fifty. 
Or you could say that's a strategy. That's that's it's a way to get it to market, but only those who really Is want it, it will pay or for it. Are those two of the exact same kind of failures in a row? It's a strategy. They always do this. They always charge astronomical. But it failed again, John. You it, can't it, say it's not a failure. I'm not saying I, I it's not a failure, you, but I'm saying it's the, their strategy to kind of I know limit you the, the audience. Love, but. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying they, it's 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 an ongoing strategy with them to limit the audience by pricing. But they but they it never price. but the but the demand never actually caught up to. The problem is there's two sides of it. A, they're trying to price it out of everyone's. Mark, out of they're trying to price it out of being implemented so they can control the implementation to only those who really, really need it and really want it and have a true business case for it. The flip side of it is marketing sees everything and has to make something out of nothing, and they go, 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 and so you have these competing methodologies. Let's, let's remember, Salesforce spends about three times, well, probably at least three times more on sales and marketing than they do on R and D. Yeah, I mean every little thing they do is a big splash. Everything, every little, th every little rebranding becomes a whole new innovative product in the PR space. It's just crazy, and so anytime they're trying to release a new product and they're trying to kind of control access to it by pricing, they don't want to say no to somebody, but they want to essentially say no by saying you can't afford it because you're not big enough. Um, but then marketing gets a hold of it and goes, "Here's this new thing. We got this new thing to talk about. We got to go, go, go." Investors look at this new thing. Look how we're innovating. You know. Yeah. So, so in the past two years, or in the past year, really, Salesforce has bought Mule and Tableau for a total of twenty-one point eight. Let's call it twenty-two billion dollars. Jeez. And the question is, you know, surely you could have taken like one or two billion. That pays for a lot of super smart people. And I don't think kids. they have a shortage of smart people. The other thing is like, the other thing is when you acquire a company, as they did with Tableau, you can say, hey, we've got all this this stock. We'll give you our stock. I mean, look, it's, it's been on an uptrend for pretty much for, for years. But people generally need, they, they like stock, but they you know, want it, probably a good 80% of their compensation to come from cash. Yeah. And well, so if your option is like, hey, we... We can either build this internally, hire a bunch of smart people, they're very expensive, I'll have to pay them all in cash, or substantially in cash. Or we can just like, eh, eh. Turns out that innovating organically, which is what this article is all about, is really difficult. Let's, we can't do that. And maybe it's because you can't get the people. I mean, they're expensive, they don't even, they basically don't even exist. They're already, they're already gainfully employed. You have to like lure them away. It's, recruiting is incredibly hard, especially because Salesforce once just like live and die in this Bay Area. I know they've got Indiana and now they've got, they bought Tableau's there in Seattle, but I mean, before that, they're just like, they're way too concentrated in this little bitty labor pool in San Francisco, which by the way, is this 70% white dudes labor pool that they say they want to get away from. Too many white dudes, we've got too many white dudes. Well, you have <laughs> to expand then, go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, I was calling it the spin, but you're making good points that it's maybe not just so much the spin. Um, because some of the quote-unquote spin in my mind is that they've been trying to frame this up as not only a acquisition of the technology, but an acquisition of people, talent more than anything. Yes. And, and there's probably a lot of truth to it, uh, given what you just said. And when do you think really? When do you think the Wave initiative was actually launched? Well, they bought Wave anyway. I don't think they did. Well, they bought the talent for Wave. I don't think they did. Well, yeah, they bought. Um, who are those guys? Who's who's leading their machine learning right now? I, I, that was well, they bought Einstein. 
Okay, we'll see. No, no, Einstein's just a name. It's just a meaningless. It's a meaningless brand. Okay, if we break down AI to regression, what is it? Not regression. Yeah, regression and uh, statistics. Regression algorithms. Okay. I mean, it's broken down to that. It's not true thinking. It's not true AI. Well, anyway, I, I, I think they, I think Wave was. The what we call anti analytics now was actually an internal initiative, and I think it was started easily five years ago. And they just, for whatever reason, they could not get caught up to Power BI, Tableau, certainly not the Oracle and the IBMs out there who are the, re- the reality. So far, the reality so, so of organic far. is that it takes time. The reality of organic is you can't rush it. You can't rush organically. Yeah. You don't get quality results. And exactly. in a space where Salesforce is trying to continue the growth trend and everything else, they don't have the time because they didn't set this, themselves up for that time. So I'll go back to this question if I can find it. Um, why didn't Salesforce's corporate strategists, the internal guys, they, they employ? There's you probably, you probably if you go to the smaller talks at Dreamforce, you can see there they these like strategists and futurist type guys that are on the payroll. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they invest earlier to build this capability instead of getting caught flat-footed with your own subpar solution that is not competing, that your customers aren't buying, and you literally can't even give away? They couldn't even give Wave Analytics away, basically. How did you get caught so flat-footed that you now have to go spend $16 billion? They didn't get caught flat-footed. Yes, they did. No, they didn't. Explain to me how they didn't. They invested why in did it. They, they John, started, why did they spend $16 billion if they weren't flat footed? <laughs> because it wasn't and, a product and why, focus. Why did, and also, the fact that Einstein Analytics is now, it's, it is magically with a time machine as if it never happened. No, it still exists. Tell it's me. just, no, it's it become doesn't. what, what, no, it, what it becomes no, with it does advanced, not exist. advanced analytics. So you had reporting, then you had advanced re- analytics. Advanced analytics From is now... From a PR perspective, it does not it exist. Does, it sure. does not Just exist. Just like advanced analytics doesn't exist. It's part of reporting Actually, now. And now now you have the Einstein no, analytics... It's not like that, because in, and advanced, advanced analytics wasn't replaced by a competitive better product they bought. No, they merged it into their existing product. So now you have sales Einstein analytics, and you have service it, Einstein analytics. That's Salesforce folding stuff into Salesforce. Yes, I'm just saying it became part of the product. Okay. It, it didn't disappear. It just kind of got was more... product. Got I'm saying they had to up. go out to something that wasn't their product, it was someone else's product, and pay dearly for it. Yeah. Way overpay. 50% premium on what Tableau was worth in the open market. Yeah, but what I'm saying is is they do did... They did. Do you think they did it because they didn't have to do that? You only no, they, do something like that when you have to, when you have no other choice, when you're getting beat in every deal, and your customers so don't try, want trying, what you're selling. I'm trying to get to my point, and my point is that it, Tableau, that was their product focus. By the way, every, I am, every people, bit for people of, who don't know, if you're, if, if, if you're just tuning into the Good Dancer podcast, <laughs> we do this. We take devil's advocate sides, and we and John usually always takes the, <laughs> the, the Benny offside, and I'm like the uh, the aggressive analyst, I guess. I'm not taking sides. I'm just trying to be pragmatic about it. What I'm saying is that Tableau, their focus was analytics. Their focus was, their business was built around that. Their business about adding features and building features was that. Salesforce's features is CRM. That's what they're focused on building. And oh, then and it I became great and then it became for that, and I can't play it. And then it became <laughs> actually marketing, and then it became service cloud. They have they're stretched way too thin. They're trying to be the master of all, and they can't. And if, if you are going to organically grow into the master of all, it's going to take you billions of years. So what do they have to do? They have to acquire this talent. They have to acquire these companies that that was their focus and incorporated their technology into it. What are you trying to do? 
Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. <laughs> that's my sound. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that Tableau, that was their product. They lived and died by producing a, a analytics platform that was second to none. Nah, Argument's not, sake. Not really. it wasn't even I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It, that was their was, focus. Was that enough. was their goal. They, were they weren't distracted by CRM. They weren't distracted by Lightning. They weren't distracted by Service Cloud and Marketing Cloud. They were an analytics platform, and that's what they focused on, and they geared all their engineering and dollars towards that. Salesforce has to spread those dollars thin. They have to spread it across all those different platforms. John, so, do you know how much money, how long it takes Salesforce to make $16 billion? Which is what they paid for Tableau? How long? At this point, an infinite time scale. Uh, your, your kids won't be alive at this point when Salesforce makes that money, by the time they make that much money. So you're saying I'm trying to put this in perspective, how big this was, how... I mean, it's, it's just hard to see this as something other than a move of desperation. I don't think it's a move of desperation. I think it's a... Well, well okay. I, I guess you, you... You disagree with this guy then, that's fine. I do disagree with him, okay. actually. I, I disagree with the fact that he says that Salesforce wasn't thinking about it, and they were. I disagree with the fact that they, Salesforce didn't invest in it when they did. They did invest in it. They did. It's just, and it just didn't work. It's just organic is too slow. And Salesforce can't do slow right now. It, it was either too slow or they were too, they started too late. Because I actually, I felt I, you're, the best point you've made that I will, that I will cede to you in this quasi, uh, no, I get a quasi Oxford I'm style excited debate I get a cookie. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, is that it takes time. Like, uh, you can you could have an infinite amount of money and go hire the smartest people in the world. You can't put nine women on a pregnancy and make a baby in one month. Yeah. Odd, odd analogy, but no, it's yeah. not. It's a perfect analogy. It's like the whole mythical man month thing. It just takes time. And if if you started five years ago, but Tableau started ten years ago, and they did a really good job, I mean, the, the I think the curve of value creation in companies is exponential. And so when you look at a five-year curve versus a 10-year curve, the 10-year curve is so dramatically beyond you know, the five-year curve. And Salesforce was just too late. They were just, I think they were too late. And, and I gotta say, when, I remember when they, Salesforce started announcing you know, their, their AI, machine learning, and all this stuff, I was like, eh. I mean, it seems like they're a little early to me because this technology's not ready. But looking back at that four years ago, Jeremy, I would say he's completely wrong because you, this just proves it. You, have either, you either get in early because it takes a long time to build this capability out to where it's actually productizable and commercializable. Is that a word? Productize and... Commercialize? I think Mar so. Commercialize? Commercialize, yeah. Sure. It, it takes so long for it's, for it's commercially viable yeah. um, that you do have to get an early start. I, you know, should you announce it that early? Well, I mean, I guess if you have a conference where you have to make the press happy and try to keep your stock priced up, you know, uh, you, you got to announce these things early. But otherwise, no, you don't, you invest, you start, you start building these things five, 10 years before you ever have a product. Around. And if you don't, then you get stuck flat footed, which I will maintain they were, and they had to go out and buy this. You don't go out and spend $16 billion when you yourself don't even make a billion dollars a year in, in profit, not even close to that. That's even ridiculous to say that. Yeah, you just don't do it. I mean, it's, they paid incredibly dearly for this. What are we on the fastest to what? Well, now we're on the, we've got to be 20 billion. 20 billion? Yeah, they're, what are they? I mean, their, their annualized rate has to be like 15 billion at this point, so they'll, they'll do, I think by 2020, I think they said they do 20 billion. Fastest to 20 in 2020. Yeah. That rhymes. A lot, of, a lot of 20s there. Yeah. 
All right, you want to finish up with a community topic? Um, sure. So I'm ready. Okay. I might have to use the restroom in a bit. Yeah, because you didn't go before we started recording. I didn't. Like I did, because I'm not a, I'm not a six-year-old. I know to go to the bathroom before I start something that's Oh, I got to be, be told. Uh-oh. I got to be told. Yeah. You and my kids. <laughs> my ex was shocked. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> All right, this one's from uh, Richard Cook. Uh, he did say we could use your name. Um, in the last podcast, you mentioned some of the criteria you look for in coders. Coders. And that you hire for the crisis moments. I remember us talking about that, but I wonder if that kind of got lost in translation. Anyways, he continues. However, the criteria you mentioned, performance trade-offs, understanding linked lists and hash maps, don't strike me as knowledge a Salesforce dev- developer needs to have in the hair-on-fire situations. Apex ex- execution context, permission problems, trigger execution order, debug log interpretation, these are the things that solve problems in Salesforce. Do you look for good general devs or good Salesforce devs? Good question. I mean, I would say that my answer to that is not not optimizing for solving hair on fire problems. My solution is to avoid hair on fire problems. And don't be doing a lot less of trying to interpret debug logs if... But avoiding problems in Salesforce inherently means someone who's experienced with dealing with Salesforce. Optimizing uh, okay. for Salesforce. Can I argue with that? Sure. Right, you have to. You definitely have to have a good. I mean, there working. are things we would do in, in another language. Loop through and do a query in a loop. No problem. I do them all the time. John, query because, in loop. because you know why? Computers, it turns out, are really freaking cheap, and humans are really freaking expensive. Except in the Salesforce world, where a, a second of CPU time will cost you, you know, whatever the, whatever it costs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I could think back to days of past where looping in a query or query in a loop wasn't a big deal. I mean, I, in fact, it, I had proper use cases for it. I had to make decisions. thousand queries in a second, you know, yeah. especially if I'm or even just global. grabbing it's, and looping through doing. a million I mean, records. It's just, well, it goes back it, to well, premature optimization. You, to a certain the thing point, is like you have to be in, in Salesforce, you have to be an excellent premature optimizer. True. But here, here's the kicker. The technology, a lot of times abstracted us from it, from certain nuances, like uh, the .NET, what was the .NET connector? Um, crap, for database connectivity. What was it called? Well, you have ODBC and you have... ADO. ADO, there you go. And how did I know that you don't know that? I don't, I'm just brain fog. <laughs> I don't deal with it every day like I used to. Yes, I drank both my beers. I saw you look. <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> but it did. We, it, it, we could essentially stream from the database. We could, we could query and grab a million records and loop through it and it's streaming for us. So it's doing some right, the is doing some smart Salesforce doesn't really do that for us. It, it, in certain no. contexts it no. does if you have like a four within a loop and you get like a certain number and it knows to, to fetch more. But for the most part we're dealing with grabbing everything and putting it in memory and trying to loop through that and deal with that. And so this, the system prevents us from doing that. Um, yeah, because you are running something on your own on a, you, you were the only one running this one thing on your computer and with Salesforce they're trying to run a thousand customers yeah. on a computer right? so. yeah and I, I get the constraints I get the reason for the constraints but it, do, it is a change of thinking and it does require that what I used to do in .NET I can't do in Salesforce and if I even though it's valid code in .NET and it doesn't really cause that many issues to do it that way in fact I could engineer it so that it didn't and maybe that would give me some performance but I'm spending ten times more in engineering trying to figure out how to 
pre-cache everything and pre-load everything yeah. that so, I need. Let's just let's go back to the question and take a super simple example. So again, again we don't, you know, uh, we, you need someone who's great at sifting through Apex debug logs, which obviously that's part of the business, but all, but also the. If you're spending a lot of time, a lot of your time every day sifting through Apex debug logs, you're doing something wrong. Um, and if you have someone that knows that, you know, and again, the super simple example, but you're using like a set or a map which hashes things, because mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure Salesforce's set implementation is a, probably a hash-based set. And obviously, the map is probably a hash map. Um, if you have a developer who understands that what those characteristics are, again, the O notation characteristics of those are versus say iterating through a list to find something, then you will save yourself a lot of sifting through debug logs to figure out and, and hitting limits trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I think for me what it comes down to does is having... Does that make sense though? That's, it, it does. That's my like most direct answer to the, to it, the It does, question. but I think you and I approach this from the same perspective is that we're not looking... When we say we want to hire good developers, meaning it doesn't matter what your background is, if you never touch Salesforce, that's fine, we'll teach you Salesforce. We're coming at it from the perspective of there's going to be a code review. You're going to write some code. We're going to assign you some things. We're going to write some code, and we're going to do a code review, and we're going to look at what you wrote and point out things like that. We're going to point out the query in the loop. We're going to point out that you should have used a set instead of a list. It's those kind of things. It's not like we're... Those are really basic, too, by the way. I, I know. I'm just saying. we're not. It's not like we're looking to hire someone and say, here you go, write some code and push it to production. You know, It has to be that team dynamic. It has to have that, that senior mentorship kind of dynamic for it to work. Now, if you just need someone who's going to be able to write code and go, they need to hire Jeremy. Yeah, basically. I'm, not, I'm not looking for the person who's going to write the next encryption algorithm. I'm looking for someone who understands basic algorithms, basic data structures, basic performance characteristics, yeah. but who also has a knack for some visual stuff and UI and user experience. Oh, now you're asking for too much. I, that, no, I, I know I am, but I'm saying that's <laughs> what I'm, I'm not looking... I, but I'm but I'm backing off this the engineering skills, saying I want someone who's got who's got good enough engineering skills, but also communicates well, knows how to respond to emails, you know, knows how to have a little bit of tact in the office and not piss everyone off, knows how to or get maybe stuff someone done. that has an opinion. That's maybe a, oh, good maybe someone good, yeah. who could maybe and, and who can argue an opinion, right, and defend right. an opinion. Someone who has an opinion can but argue who also, it. Also, when their opinion is clearly proven wrong, they're more than happy to change their opinion. Oh, like me? That's that's a hard thing. <laughs> what is it like? Uh, I always like to say that I have strong opinions loosely held. I'm very opinionated, but I'm also I am so willing to change my opinion on the fly as soon as someone brings me around. Oh, yeah, shit. whatever. <laughs> I'm kidding. It had to be said though. I guess you can't put that out there and not get challenged. Okay. <laughs> I can't handle challenge, John. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I was supposed to be able to handle challenge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. I think that's a good question. I think, I, I, you know, in, the, in these type of conversations, it's easy to kind of get bogged down on kind of what we're looking for and with the type of things we need. But it's not, it's not like there's a black and white to it. If there was, then hiring would be easy. Finding good people would be easy. It, it's tough. And it's nuanced. There's just no right or wrong answer to it. You just kind of go with your experience, go with your gut, and try and to make the best none of, of these damn situation. None of these damn certifications help yeah, you exactly. with any of this. Yeah. It's... So. Well, let's let me let me. I would like to run down just because we never do this, but the things that we didn't get to, so people can go look on their own. So Salesforce's customer data platform, their CDP, which is apparently a new acronym we we got to learn now. Their CDP, oh, is beginning to take take shape. They've made some announcements. Take on shape, it. yeah. Oh, that means it's a twinkle in Benioff's eye right now. Um, Microsoft has uh, taken another step towards replacing Wonderlist with their new to do uh -huh. app, 
which they have released a Mac version of. So it's like completely I stopped using Wonderlist when Microsoft bought it. Not well, not out of not out of spite for Microsoft, but it had it had stagnated. The tool had stagnated. It stopped updating. Never it stopped <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Wonderlist. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I got it. I got uh, it. Have you I'm heard slow. of Mattermost? I think it's called Mattermost. No. They are a essentially a Slack competitor. They just raised another second round of funding. I think they raised like something like eighty million. Um, Does that mean we're moving our community to Mattermost? Well, we might because <laughs> um, first of all, they have. It looks like it's really robust. All these different. I mean, of course, the, the proofs in the pudding, and also the devils in the details, right? Um, that's why when people say, oh, why do we need Slack when we can just use Zoom chat? I'm like, oh, my God. Do you not understand how much Slack, better Slack is than Zoom chat? Oh, my God. <laughs> but now we've got to make the like, argument for Mattermost. What, what, no, I'm just saying. So Mattermost, they, so they've got, you know, apparently they're, they're um, fairly advanced at this point. They've got, you know, clients for all the different platforms. And it's completely open source. You can run it yourself if you want to run it on your server. Otherwise, they, you can run, they'll host it and run it for you in their cloud, right? Just the whole the hybrid thing, right? Callback. Sure. That was a callback, John. Yeah. Um, and it's three bucks a user a month if you want to run it on theirs, which is probably three times cheaper than Slack or something like that. Which is, I, I think, but I think they're making waves, of... which is weird because, like, have we gone through this? Like, there was Yammer and Hip 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 Chat, Hip Chat, and then Slack killed them, and now it's like really. I mean, after all this and Microsoft Teams and all this other stuff and. But they just raised another round, and it was led by I think Y, uh, y Combinator. So it's in uh, I think Battery Ventures, which I mean, are, which people, are people big, need ways to communicate, things. and they're willing to try anything. It's weird how we this go, this actually shows why the answer of well why isn't what's so much better about Slack than Zoom chat like the from ten feet away they look identical. Mm -hmm. You would think either one's fine. If someone, or if someone just explained to you in, in 10 seconds, what do they say? Well, they allow you to keep in touch with your team and communicate and chat. Oh, well, let's do the cheap on Zoom. Well, yeah. actually, it's like, and the fact that Mattermost is able to, they're doing something right enough that they keep raising, they keep attracting more investment and building. It just goes to show you that, you know, Slack is not, they're not done. They haven't, they haven't proven that they're the solution. And there's, a, there's just so much nuanced communication. I mean, think about all the articles we've seen in the past couple of years of these companies that on Medium, I'm sure, that have posted about how oh, we're ditching Slack now because people got people were too distracted by Slack. Like, all this, all those, you know, there's a whole yeah. rash of those type of articles. And we just haven't, we still haven't figured out communication yet. Email still sucks. Slack still sucks. Asynchronous communication sucks. Synchronous communication sucks. Like, we haven't figured it out. And this is the hardest thing. Sitting in a room with people seems to work. We can make AI and we can make all this, we can make <laughs> crazy performant databases and SAP HAN, all that stuff. But we just, we cannot figure out how to communicate with each other. That's because we we're people and we like being know, next to each other. This is the hardest problem to solve. We don't like virtual, we don't like gonna, cameras, that's why we're we don't replace like any the robots. Of that. That's why the robots are going to win because then, then people don't have to worry about so humans. We're going to have rich, virtual, virtual presence devices and yeah, we'll see if that works. Robots don't have egos and feelings. And that's a problem with humans. That's communicating with humans. That's the best okay. part about humans. That's taking a long time to get through my unused topics. I know. I got to pee. Come on. Uh, let's see. <laughs> we talked about tableaus. I think we you know, I had the same. I guess that was Forbes. I can tell because it just says Instapaper. Um, Salesforce is applying an incredibly simple data strategy to address the gender gap. That's another Tony Profit thing. Hey, John, Salesforce in the past two years has raised their female percentage from 30.1 to 31.6. Golf clap? Hey, it's, it's moving in the right direction, right? Yeah, and, and, and if you're a man and you manage a team of 30 more, you're given a scorecard on how many women you've promoted and hired. So, 
Got to be watching out for that. Uh, Salesforce also launched a bunch. They just what's this connections? Is that the is that the um, another Indianapolis? Yeah. yeah, it's is that the um, what's that uh, marketing cloud? Was that is that is that was that the connections conference? What marketing cloud? Anyway, at, at Connections, I think it was Connections, they launched all these new products. Um, Einstein Engagement Frequency, Einstein Send Time ops Optimization, Einstein Content Tagging. Just like scrolling through this thing here. Hmm. Um, a new web embeddable channel menu in Service Cloud that lets clients start conversations with companies on chat channels like SMS, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp. John's like shaking in his chair right now. Um, Gotta go. Commerce page. I mean, all kinds of new stuff. They just like all the, launch all these new things that I don't think probably will never learn about. Okay. Those are my unused topics. It didn't make Some it. Some of those I kind of wanted to dig into, yeah, but it didn't uh, make it. Yeah, it didn't make it. Yeah, sorry. Oh, we, sorry. We got an hour a week. That's all we we get as long as my bladder allows, and then we're done. <laughs> that's, that's our <laughs> limiting factor. All right. Uh, so we have an awesome Slack. If you're not in the Slack, what are you doing? Right now, just right now, go to gooddayserpodcast.com, click on community, put your email address in, and John will add you to the Slack. I do do um, it manually, so be, there's could, others, be patient with hey, me. There's other Slacks that talk about Salesforce and probably Gitters and Reddits. This, this is our Slack. It's a good day. This sir. is our Slack. This Guaranteed our, to have a good day, because it's in the name. Yes. And it's a, it's a safe space. It's fun. It's funny. We're helpful. You will not get judged. We have people that are smarter than you can imagine. We have people that are more beginner than you can imagine. And it's all okay. Uh, what else, John? Share us on the socials. Uh, reviews would be nice. I'm yep. st still paying for we that. We love sucker. getting reviews. If if, if you could, if you could, <laughs> if if there's, if you want to give back at all, or just, or say thank you in any way, uh, reviews uh, on you know iTunes or whatever, Stitcher. Would not Stitcher? not even for the. Oh, we do the, Stitcher now. We get like a, yeah, we do Stitcher now. We, we I see the downloads from Stitcher on the yeah. metric. Um, yeah, we do stuff now. But also uh, the community topics. So people like to email us and send us questions and or topics to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so you can do that if you've got something you want to talk us to talk about or address. Uh, info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Uh, by default, we will not use your name. If you're okay with us using your name, then you have to explicitly tell us. That's just the rule. Each and every time. Pretty much. It's not like a one-time thing. All right, John. Well, on to that, I got to go pee. <laughs> and to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. I want to eat more of it, but I know that I, I, I can't get the stuff on my fingers or I'll touch my computer and, that, and I don't want, I'll freak like, out. I don't want food math where I'm constantly going, you know. Hey, we might have some ASMR fans out there. You might enjoy that. <laughs> the question is, I, I kind of, you know, you know who's actually, I discovered a majorly, uh, and what's it, it's ASMR? Yeah. Is Bob Ross? Go back and watch one of his things. By the way, Fletcher loves Bob Ross. Wants to watch him all the time. <laughs> Does he think you guys are related? I don't. I, I think I've made jokes about it, but <laughs> no, he's uh, he's major. It's his it's his voice, but also, mm. I think he's got some good characteristics to his voice that are ASMR. I think he was Is high it AMSR all the time. or ASMR. ASMR. What's that stand for, John? I forgot. <laughs> Let's well, see. People should, if, if, this, if this actually makes it in the show, people should go look it up. But it's... it's Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. That's why I don't remember it. Yeah. yeah. What it means is people who are super into incredibly detailed, like, audio noises. Yeah. Like all the... I think it's a more higher frequency. Like the... All the you know, like yeah. The, it's, all, it's, all this it's weird... all the things you have to kick your gain up for. Just high gain, just really 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's like 8K and higher, I think. But but it's weird. It could be anything from someone chewing to someone tapping on a desk to someone clicking a pen, all those kind of things. And I've heard the millennials are into it. I almost thought the M stood for millennial. Because supposedly it's a thing with millennials. No. But anyway, no, his um, when he's painting... You can, I mean, they've, they've got the microphones. You can tell they must have shotgun mics pointed at his canvas. You say they, but he's he was just no, like I mean, a public television. No, he had a production crew, come on. Did he? Oh, sure, multiple camera angles and lighting. I didn't know he was had a thing like, with squirrels. He was big. He was a big deal. No, I mean, I knew he was a big thing. I watched him. I don't remember ever noticing squirrels being a thing until it came a meme. But you know, he, you know, he would use those brushes and then the little scrapers, the little scraper tools or whatever, and it just you can tell the microphones are just zeroed in right on his canvas because and I you know and now that I know that, I realize that I realize that when I watch him, that's part of what makes that him addictive to watch. Is it's this full sensory experience where you're hearing all this sound, like your ear is right up to the canvas. Yeah. I do, I do, I can recall that. I can recall that little ch 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 that happens oh, yeah. when he's... The brush, yeah, yeah, he's like making little trees. And then he does that whole ch 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 when he's yeah. like cleaning the brush or <laughs> yeah. in drying it off. Uh-huh. Or even when he's on the canvas, he'll, ch ch ch, you know, fan it or something. It is an experience. It is very calming, relaxing. He's really calming and relaxing. I think you should grow a fro and, and uh, just model yourself after that, Ross. That may be one way to know that we're not related because I have the straightest hair ever. Actually, when it gets long, it's, it starts to get wave a lot. But he's definitely got that fro thing going on. I mean, do you think he's like part African or is it Jewish or what is he? What's he something. got going? Italian? I mean, come on. What's I don't know. Going on? He's got that, something. That, that was a style in what the late '60s, early '70s. That if, whole fro. If you could do it, I couldn't pull that off. But I mean, everyone had a fro. It wasn't just no, no. That's not true. There dudes was a, like me did not have fros. There was a lot of white people and with you, fros. dudes like you did not have fros. No. But my brother could go do a fro. Really? Yeah. My middle brother, Michael, he can do a fro. Wow, he's got he's got such curly hair that if he grew it out, he can. We, we used to call when his hair got long. We used to call it a fro. That's cultural appropriation, John. You should be ashamed of yourself. I thought today we'd just do a very simple little scene that I hope you'll enjoy. Let's start with a little two-inch brush and a touch of the alizarin crimson, and we just load a little bit right into the bristles. Pull a little paint out. Tap the bristles firmly to assure a nice even distribution of paint all the way through the bristles. And let's go right up here. And we'll take this old brush and just making little X's, little crisscross strokes. We'll just very quickly drop in just a little warm part in the sky here. Maybe we'll have a little pink in the sky. I sort of like that. And in our world, we can do anything that we want to do here. Any old thing. And then the most fun part of this whole technique is washing the brushes. Since these are oil paints, we're washing our brushes with odorless paint thinner. Shake off the excess and, <laughs> and just beat the devil out of it. That's really the most fun part of it. Oh my gosh, 